DJ Playboy. What's good, y'all? It's your man, DJ Playboy, back with another edition of the Perfect Talk Podcast. And I do no episode none without my brother, my man's, my partner. Girl, scream like I'm Keith. Keith. What it do, brother? What it do? Kicking it from the three-point line. 27 <laughs> feet. I want to beat. <laughs> What's good, man? <laughs> yeah. I hit you with a little Tupac freestyle. Hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Start the day off right. Yeah, man. <laughs> morning time, you get my energy up. Just have my espresso. Yeah, that's that's your morning routine. I, I, I've been reading a lot of uh, self help books, and I'm learning the importance of a morning routine. So you know, what I mean, is is like the coffee and chill time part of yours? Yeah, coffee, chill, sit down, smoothie. Uh, me, me, and my wife schedules schedule time in the morning and shit to to do shit. All of that. Yeah, yeah no, you gotta get it. You already know scheduling is like a, a big thing for me, so. Yo, it's you know it's crazy and it's funny you bring that up. But scheduling, you you've been one of the the the, the big proponents of scheduling. Um, cause I think I we we were texting before we obviously got on the air, and um, I was like, yo. Um, you know, I got to stop at a certain time and I use the term hard stop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't even talk like that. I got that shit from Keith. Like, <laughs> I never even understood the concept of a hard stop. I'd always be like, oh, I guess so-and-so got to wait. Definitely taught me the importance of, of uh, you know, being firm on your schedule and being uh, being about that life. Definitely. <laughs> Nah, but um, nah, I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting a little better on the schedule and stuff. Um... Part of my morning routine that I'm want to implement, I haven't begun yet, and um, you actually inspired this as well um, years ago. But now that I'm hearing it again, and like you know, um, I'm listening to a lot of self help books on audio, uh, Audible, and you know they're saying the same thing that basically you know you got to start your day off with goals, and 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 a lot of people it's like two things you hear you hear goals and you hear gratitude, right? Mm-hmm. And you you gave me the gratitude book. You were one of the people that like. Um, gave me a book which like is, is like a three year book where you definitely um, every day you find something to be grateful for you know what I mean and then um, in addition to that like I want to implement uh, goals for the day too somebody uh, damn I can't quote the author I'll get it for you in a second but one of the authors I listened to he was like uh, write, write down 10 goals every every day but don't look at the previous day you know what I'm saying like if it's important to you, you'll remember it again today. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he's like, you know, that will kind of filter out the goals that are real goals as opposed to, you know, stuff you just kind of want to get done and, and really want. You won't have to look back after a while. You'll have the same 10 list, but you won't even have to look back to try to remember anything because it'll be the 10 that's important to you. And and the practice of writing it down is huge. There, there are tons of stuff quoted on just writing stuff down, not even going back and reading it, <laughs> but literally like the, the process of making a plan and writing stuff down is a hundred times more helpful than not, right? Than not yeah. going into it with any type of game plan or goal. So, um, definitely something I've been big on uh, and trying to implement more in my morning. That's interesting because I, I wonder if, like, if you if you do that to a thief, like one day you just let's say just a random person who the day before they wrote down some really critical shit like pay mortgage or go to chemo, and then the next day they, they don't write that shit down. They just, it just floats out their mind. And they're like, yeah, whatever, I'm good, man. You know, all, I got all the important shit. Mm-hmm. And then, like, something that's that's super critical that they don't like yeah. but that but is very important kind of slips through the cracks. Well, it's not, not like a to-do list. That's, you know, like, <laughs> it's not like what you're going to do for the day. It's literally, like, it could be your five-year goals. You could oh, be, you know okay. what I'm saying? Like it don't got to be short-term. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it, it don't got to yeah. be short-term. It's got to be, it could be, um, like, literally, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, 
buy a house within the next three years or whatever the case may be, like stuff like that. So, but but I don't I don't even really think that the filtering out is really the important part. It's more so reinforcing what what the important ones are. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like the getting them over and over again. Um, a lot of successful people I, I listen to, they say, you know, like, we make goals at the beginning of the year. We're, we're, I'm, I'm big on New Year's resolutions, but you should do that throughout the course of the year. You shouldn't have to wait every 12 months to make these goals that you that you plan to get done. Because I'll be honest with you, I've been good on my New Year's resolutions the past couple of years. I'm knocked that out by August. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of times. So it's like, you got to challenge. What am I just chilling for the rest of the year? <laughs> it's like, nah, you got to make new goals and challenge yourself. So definitely um, something I'm trying to do. Um... Working out, how you been going with that, man? I know you've been big on the quarantine and working out, so you've been steady with that? Yeah, I've been pretty steady with that. I work out six days a week, rest on rest on the seventh. I've been keeping up with That's it pretty good because what I use, I, so once again, I schedule it. So on Google Calendar, they have a they have a feature called goals, and you could put mm-hmm. in, you could enter a goal, like I want to exercise for like an hour three days a week and it'll f- look at your schedule and try to squeeze in that in your schedule. And you can say, well, I prefer to do it morning, whatever, or I, I want to uh, spend 30 minutes a week or 30 minutes twice a week learning French. Then it'll squeeze that in. So using that has been really helpful for me in, in doing like little goals, like little things like that, like exercising and try to block out like 45 minutes an hour. To do that, and if I don't do it, I make sure I move it in my schedule. So I'm big on rescheduling stuff instead of saying, "Oh, damn, I couldn't get to do that." So you know, I would instead I would try to put it to another part of the day or another part of the week. How do you handle, um, for lack of a better term, fun time? You know what I'm saying? Like stuff that you might not be productive, right? It might not make you any money. It might not be like a self help thing, such as learning a new language or. Uh, learning to play piano or something like that, but literally fun. Like, do you schedule that in, or how do you, I take it by play it by ear? How do you, how do you do that? Like mindless, like just straight up mindless fun. Yeah, let's say you were into video games or mm-hmm. you uh, play the sport, play the sport, but you didn't do it for exercise. You did it for fun. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, just the way life is now, especially in, like just adulthood, is about mm-hmm. not it's about, but. What tends to happen is that all the grinding stuff you you do that you schedule it and you, you're doing it all the time. Well, even when you're done with whatever grinding activity you're doing, you're like, damn, I feel as if I gotta do do some more. Like I did some something else I gotta finish, and you never block out that time to just do something for like it's completely for you. There's no rationale behind it. You just do it, and it makes you feel good. I think scheduling scheduling it is important. So, for instance, um. Like watching TV or now watching sports, even if I can't catch a full two hour game, damn, it ain't, it ain't no joke out here with the background. Noise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are you recording in your car right now? <laughs> Behind the scenes, people, I don't know who still got a car alarm like that, man. We got some 1980s Toyota Cressidas out here in, in the hood. But, um,. <laughs> But yeah, uh, <laughs> scheduling fun though. Like, so let's say I can't, I know I can't watch a full two hour basketball game. I might say, all right, bet. I'm going to spend, I'm going to set a timer for an hour and I'm watching this game. I'm not getting up. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be keyed into this game and blocking out that time and giving yourself permission to do that type of stuff. Because people don't realize it. it. Yeah, that, that, permi- that word permission is big, right? Yeah. That's like, yeah, because people get guilty and they, they feel like, damn, I got kids. My kid get, you know what I mean? Da-da-da. I got like my daughter's birthday's coming up. I got to do this. I got to do that. Da-da-da. And it's like, 
but you got to do that for you. You got to get those moments for you. You know what I'm saying? To get the, because if you, if you're not where you have, need to be mentally, well, how they, uh, you know what I'm saying? You can't be good for anybody else. And people don't realize how important that is, man. Like I had a day this week where I should have been getting shit done. And then like one thing kind of like fell out of place. Like one person kind of canceled and it kind of like just took my whole motivation for the day. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it was like, yeah, that's the thing that that like um so there's certain things that you have to have to do. Go to work, like that's not, you know, that's non-negotiable. Uh if you got some kind of a project you got to hand in for a certain time, it's almost non-negotiable. But then like things that are really important to you, to you or your family, whether it's your relationship or your kid or whatever it is, it there's always that feeling of, oh man, like uh I have the time now, but I'm I'm sure I'm tired. I would like to squeeze this nap in. But I would, you know, I just I just Maybe when I'm in a better mood, I'll do it. Then what ends up happening is that you put it off so long that it's not worth as much anymore. Whatever, you know, let's say it's fun time with your kid or um, whatever it is, you just end up not doing it. The best way to go about it is force your way to do the fun stuff the way you do work and you'll end up having fun. You know what I'm saying? I think people have this idea going into moments like that, that man, this ain't going to be... This ain't gonna be fun, so I'll do it later. But now nah, you just do that shit, man. If, if you, you were supposed to have video game time at two o'clock today, then do that shit. Even if you gotta shorten it, just do that shit. You might end up having mad fun. Yeah, and you might, yeah, yeah. You 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 you'll feel more fulfilled by the end of the day. You won't have that that feeling of lack. You know what I mean? Or, right. Or that that you you gave but got nothing back for it. You know what I'm saying? You always gotta give the, like give yourself something like a little reward here and there. But um. Yeah man, this is shit. Let's get right into it, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Good talk about uh, we like we like to start everything off with the you know, working out and being positive and definitely what you could do to improve your day because because it's, it's a crazy world out here, man. Yeah, then we get right <laughs> to the messiness. Right to the messiness, bro. But uh, I don't know if you've seen in the news recently, Keith. There was a, a professor at George Washington uh, University, uh, a, a female teacher who was Caucasian. Right. Well, she is Caucasian, I should say. Was <laughs> and she died, she died, or she she transitioned. Uh, well, she she was a Caucasian woman that was uh, lying about being black. Basically, she was able to uh, pass for black. Her name was uh, Jessica Krug, uh, Doctor Jessica Krug, and um, she wrote a, a essay. Right. It's called "The Truth and the Anti-Black Violence of My Lies." Um, I'm not sure if she was, you know, inspired by the state of social uh, unrest <laughs> that we have going on in this country. I'm not sure why she would even put herself out there, but she wasn't exposed. She wrote an essay, right? And uh, said, so for the better part of my adult life, every, I'll just give you a piece of it. Uh, every move I've made, every relationship I formed has been rooted in the napalm toxic soil of lies. Uh, not just any lies. Uh, to an escalating degree of my adult life, I have eschewed my experience, my living experience as a white Jewish child in suburban, suburban Kansas City under various assumed identities within a blackness that I had no right to claim. First, North African blackness, then U.S. rooted blackness, then Caribbean rooted Bronx blackness, which is crazy because she's from Kansas City. Right. <laughs> uh, I have not only claimed these identities as my own when I had absolutely no right to do so. When doing so is the very epitome of violence, of thievery and appropriation of the myriad of ways in which non-black people continue to use and abuse black identities and cultures. But I have formed intimate relationships with love and compassionate people who have trusted and cared for me when I have deserved neither trust nor caring. People have fought together with me or have fought for me 
and my continued appropriation of a black Caribbean identity is not only in the starkest terms wrong, unethical, immoral, anti-black, colonial, but it means every step I've taken has gaslighted uh, those who I love. Um, so basically that came out and uh, the George Washington University was like, all right, we got to, you know, suspend her at least. You know what I mean? We got to put her on, uh, what's, 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 the, what's the term that they use? Yeah, administrative uh, leave. Administrative leave, exactly, yeah. So uh, she has definitely now, though, said that she will uh, resign from teaching. Um, and it, like I said, it came a week after the, the backlash on her essay had come out. Um, but I just find it, like, what, what was the lady's name that was doing it for the NAACP? I don't, do you know her name? Was it Rachel Rachel Dolezal? Rachel Dolezal, yeah, yeah. She uh, I, like after that, right? Because that was big news. That was everywhere. <laughs> like, didn't this lady think like, damn, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't go no further with this? So she was, but she was like in too deep by that point, right? <laughs> it's like like Makai Fife. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, but this is interesting though, man. I'm 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 just skimming through this thing. This just looks like a a confession. And yeah, a, a cry for help. If you really read it, yeah, uh, she's she, she speaks of mental health issues. Yeah, I mean, mm. man, this is just. She goes to show you that being black can make anybody crazy, even if they're not black. Slade <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was black for a couple years, and she just went nuts. And that was, that was the greatest experiment ever. Like, yo, the, the shit is nuts. Like, it's 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 um. This is crazy to getting black, being black. Just she's ah, I can't. When I read the headline, no when I read the headline, I didn't think that she exposed herself. You know what I mean? Right. I thought maybe it came out like an old classmate had said something or seen something, but no, she she was just like she probably was like, why am, why is this working? Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I getting away with this? But it's just like it was it was crazy. Um, she also used it to get funding for uh. Uh, like uh, basically, like like you know, what I mean, um, any grants or things that she was eligible for, she used it um in that capacity as well, which is probably criminal, right? Yeah, <laughs> I would imagine. Um, but no, it, it but it goes to show how big a story, and we're laughing about it. But definitely, it shows you like mental health issues are real, bro. Like this lady, I like I, it, it. Almost seemed like she she didn't really have a reason. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like she kind of just did this, like, and I never, I didn't think about it at the time. But imagine being like dating someone and thinking they were one race, and then they really weren't, because you, because you probably got little subtle clues the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> like, like <laughs> looking at the food she's eating and the show she's watching, and, and the fact that you go to, you meet her family and they celebrating Rosh Hashanah, and none of them are black. He was like, oh. Uh, I, I don't want to be the guy to, to, to mention this, but um, lady, none of your family. And she's like, did you ever hear of a Colin Kaepernick? Ah, oh, yeah, all right, that's right. I forgot about that. Ah, <laughs> uh, I forgot about that. <laughs> the, the loophole. You can lead the black race. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that, that's, nah. um, yeah, the, to your point of uh, just reading the headlines, like, I thought it was like, oh, well, they dug into it and like, oh, well, she's not black. But... You know, it's just fascinating just looking at Rachel Dolezal and looking at this pictures of this woman. It's kind of it's kind of funny how they could pass for black. Like they they don't have any uh, tans in their skin. Well, they, Rachel mm-hmm. Dolezal, I don't know if it was makeup or if she was just out in the sun, but like she had it. But I think it was partially because like you know some people like uh, when they have like uh, freckly skin, it kind of gives them some pigment. 
Yeah. I think Rachel Dolezal. Like a little had, bit of color. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. exactly. Rachel Dolezal had some of that. This woman here. She got that nose, man. She got that the nose. <laughs> she got that the Patty nose. LaBelle nose. Line her up side to side with Patty LaBelle. I'm, I'm doing that shit now. Look, <laughs> listen, is Google Jessica Krug and, and then open a new tab and Google Patty LaBelle. P A T T I. Oh boy, that nose is identical, bro. I feel like it's one of those things where, because like in the moment, you're like. This really wouldn't be a white lady. Like, who's gonna front to be black? Like, you know exactly. what I'm saying? Like, uh, after a certain age in like junior high school, where you was trying to chill with a crew, <laughs> like people ain't doing that shit no more. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've never seen nobody like a- as an adult, but it's like obvious. I think, and I think there might be more people out there doing it. Right. <laughs> there might be some other people getting away with this, like that we don't even know about. But I just, I, I find it like nuts. You know what I'm saying? Especially when we live in a. a, 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 a a day and age where it's not really advantageous to be black. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, your man Steve Nash is the new coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Keith. And it is the epitome of, of white privilege. And I'm, it's crazy, right? Like, because that's what you're hearing, right? Everyone's like, whoa, how did Steve Nash get a coaching job? He's never coached a day in his life. And I don't think he has coached a day in his life. <laughs> it's just crazy. I um, think he was like a consultant for, like, the Warriors, like, doing, like, skills coaching. But, yeah, he, he was, I don't know if you call it coaching, but it doesn't say a skills coach, but I, I don't think he's been, like, a defensive coach or, like, a, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, now one of the guys was sitting in the front row with the coach. Exactly. Basically. Yeah, like he was never yeah. hired as a coach per se. Mm-hmm. But um, you would think like he's the first basketball player that ever got a job. You know what I'm saying? Coaching that you know what I mean never has never coached before. He's not. It's, it's there's there's others out there. You know what I mean? That have a. Uh, not coached before and basically kind of quote unquote skip the line. You know what I mean? Uh, Steve Kerr got his first you know, coaching opportunity. Um. Doc Rivers, Mark Jackson, mm-hmm. yep, uh, Jason Kidd, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Got his first before he had ever coached. He never coached college or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't like picking out individual when it comes to stuff like that. Like, is this discrimination or not? It's difficult to pick out single. You know, because then when you say, man, America's racist, then people be like, oh, have you heard of Barack Obama? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's why I, I don't want to try to get into that thing. Like, oh, there's, you know, there's this and that. Because then you can name countless times when black coaches, I mean, there's way more instances of black coaches who've been in the game for, for a long time, got all the credentials, all the skills, all the respect in the industry, but they don't. They never just never got a position. Some of them didn't even get a chance to get the position. So, um, yeah, I mean, is it white privilege? I mean, maybe, but this is a difficult but it's not, one. Yeah, it's not like unprecedented white privilege. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't see it and be like, oh, my gosh, this, yeah. Mark Jackson should have got that job. Like, I wasn't, you know what I'm saying? It, it didn't hit me like that. But I felt like every the media was running with it, right? Like, oh, wow, Steve Nash skipped the line. Like, he ain't the first. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, look at the NFL. Like, you know what I'm saying? It shit's happening all the time. But it ain't like, I feel like they beating up on Steve Nash for something that, what do you want him to do about it? You know what I'm saying? Like That's the thing. They, and, you know, he's getting the questions about it. And, you know, in this day and age, I think it's healthy, a healthy discussion to, to ask that question and be prepared to answer it. I don't think you, mm-hmm. you know, 
let's say he's getting a question. He's like, yeah, well, I don't think it's a white privilege and gives his explanation. And then the questioner is like, well, that's white privilege. It's white. You better say it's white privilege right now. You're <laughs> off my show. I don't think like, something like that would be fair, but I think it's fair to just ask him, like, what do you think about that? Just because of the times we're in, it's, it's important to, to if you're going to be a leader on that level, mm-hmm. you just, you just got to face, face up to shit like that. It's going on in corporate America. It's going on in small business. It's going on in politics. And, you know, it, it fits that it's going on in in athletics that if you're a leader, especially a white leader, that now you, you have to step up and at least acknowledge what's going on in some way. And be and, and fielding that question is one way to, to acknowledge what's going on. Definitely, definitely. And I think it sucks, but he did admit it. He's like, I did skip the line, frankly. And um, he says that some of the criticism of his hiring is fair, but he says that his experience leading a team as a player gives him an advantage um, as a coaching candidate. Uh, which is true, but, but I feel like we, are, uh, as a black man, right, I can admit that there are certain advantages that I got that other black people weren't born with. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not. you're not going to make me feel guilty about it. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, okay, like I was born into a certain family like and there's people who have advantages over me <laughs> that were born in other you know what i'm saying like that's just kind of life like i feel like and um i do know it exists and like you said i'm glad that it's brought to light you know what i'm saying I, I like the fact that it's brought to light that the nba does have uh this many black players but this many black coaches and they just lost two of them because i believe alvin gentry got fired and um but nah, I believe there were two that were fired this year alone, So, which brings the numbers down even more. Now Steve Nash has got a job. They're saying Billy Donovan just got fired. He's going to get another one of those jobs mm-hmm. right away. So, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with pointing out how many, those type of numbers and the disproportionate amount of coaches to players that there are of, of, of a specific race. But don't make Steve Nash have to, <laughs> you know, th- throw, throw years of white privilege on his back yeah. um, just because well, just he got a job. Really. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And then let's switch gears here. You got stuff like that happening, but you'll have Donald Trump literally saying that systematic racism isn't real, Mm -hmm. (laughs) does not believe it exists, and in fact has decided that uh, he wants to cut funding um, for diversity training at federal agencies. Um, Let me get the right here. Trump wants to slash anti-discrimination training um, for federal agencies. Um, despite people thinking that you know it is beneficial, he just he looks at it as being anti-American, <laughs> um, which I guess is right, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you really break it down, like America is built on racism, um, <laughs> uh, so he, he believes that the sorry in the memo that was um, obtained, the Trump administration claims that diversity training uh, run counter to fundamental beliefs for which our nation has stood since its inception and um, bring division and resentment within the federal workforce. Um, and I just think that's just like, like you like, like he's just flying the flag, right? At this point, he's, uh, he's just speaking to his base. He's also threatened uh, to pull funding from schools that teach the New York times 1619 project. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who don't um, understand or aren't aware of the 1619 project, it's a, uh, basically a curriculum that centers on African American history taught through the lens of black Americans beginning when they were brought to uh, Virginia as slaves. Um, Trump tweeted that the uh, department of education is looking into this, referring to um, California schools teaching the 1619 project. And if so, they will not be funded. (laughs) And like, there, he's holding on to a past, right? Make America great again. He's got to. He's got to stay on brand, right? 
Right. But I think the fact that you would not want law enforcement, a law in, like that, the reason our country is in division right now is because of acts done by law enforcement. Um, the fact that you would just come out of your face and just say we don't want diversity training, I think is just showing you who he really is, and by that I mean a racist. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you can't even sugarcoat it no more. And he's not. He's not trying to. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he has. The, he had the whole. I mean, the whole picture of the Republican National Convention was: there's no systemic racism. Uh, all y'all white people in the suburbs, uh, the niggas are coming to get you, and <laughs> <laughs> like that. The, well, but man, matter of fact, that was basically it. So he's not even doing like it's not even uh, Latinos, Central Americans, and and all them. Coming for us now this year. They're still there, but he's like, "All right, y'all. You you remember when I said you know they was coming after us? Well, they still are, but this is other gang coming after us, and they live right there in Detroit, and they live right there in in uh you know in a little pocket of Kenosha. Gonna burn down your business. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> no, it's it's. I think it's hilarious, man. Um, on top of that, you know, what I mean, this this week. Also, news came out from the Bob Woodward book, a uh, new book that just dropped on Trump. I believe it's called Rage. Um, that Trump knew about the coronavirus. He's well aware of the coronavirus and the effects of how deadly it could be. Um, and admittedly, um, wants to down wanted to downplay it. Said this in a phone interview, <laughs> which I think is 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 a, a whole nother level of I don't I don't know confidence or stupidity. Uh, whatever you want to call it, but the honesty. fact that honesty, that's what you call it. yeah, this is just a, a, a weird. It was honest. I mean, I I think a lot of stuff he says ain't surprising to people. So that's why I wonder how how much of a politically how much of a negative effect it would actually have. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's, it's just how many times have we had a suspicion about him, and then it's been proven right by his own words or some very reliable mm-hmm. sources. This is just another one of those times. And I'm not trying to tell people to be jaded. Like, oh, yeah, it just happened again. Like, you knew what, what the deal was. But it's like, damn, man, it happens over and over. That he, we look and we're like, yo, we, he got, we know he gets the best information, the best intelligence on the, in the world coming across his desk on a daily basis. So there's no doubt that he, he knows all or he's heard all the numbers, all the facts, stuff that we haven't heard about about coronavirus, probably even dating back to January, probably even the end of, of um, 2019. Now we heard it on tape like, yeah, man, this shit is crazy, but I ain't going to say it's crazy. I, I got to, you know, let people not freak out. But I have I have the juice. I have the information. But I ain't letting mm-hmm. y'all niggas know. And people dying, right. thousands, <laughs> thousands of people have di- like died. Like I, I know people that died. Yeah, like he admitted he knew it was more deadly than the stren- than a strenuous flu. Um, he knew that it was airborne, highly contagious. Um, he admitted that it was more deadly than the flu. Um, said that in public. Said that he thought that it was going to disappear and that things would work out fine. But behind closed doors with Woodward stated um, on March 19th, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down because I don't want to create a panic. Um, Instead of playing down what he knew, like telling people to to shut down businesses and wear masks, he kind of went the opposite direction. (laughs) Like, bro, you know how deadly this is. You're telling people not to wear masks. Right. Like it was that's bro. It's and like you said, it's not even surprising anymore. You don't even have to shake your head anymore. People go out and vote. 
<laughs> go out and vote. And if you don't feel safe going out um, and you want to try to do it by mail, go to IamAVoter.com. Register uh, to vote by mail. Whatever you got to do, please vote because the leader of the free world cannot be someone so careless. Or um, <clears throat> I was able to actually set up mail and voting through Instagram. Like it was a little link right there on my Instagram account. So definitely keep an eye out and do it early from what I hear. <laughs> That's everybody saying do it. I actually got a letter from the postal service saying do it early. So uh yeah, get it out the way, man. Um Keith, we're running short on time, so we're just gonna rapid fire a few things real quick, brother. Yeah. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um The Chiefs, they banned Indian headdress and games. As well, as, oh sorry, Indian headdress and face paint um, from games because uh, the football season just kicked off this past week. Chiefs played the Texans, um, and they did have fans in the stadium, which was a little surprising, right? I was a little surprised seeing that, but I mean, it's, it's, they they did social distance, so to speak. Um, how do you feel about them? However, I guess reacting to the the Washington football team changing their name from the Redskins um, and backlash that other teams have, have received. How do you feel about them making that removal of uh, Indian headdress and face paint? I think it's appropriate. I, w- I wonder how uh, Native Americans feel because I, I haven't heard a Native American come out and be like, you know, just just give their thoughts on it. And I would really like to to hear that. Maybe they have, but I just haven't haven't seen it. But I think it's a good thing overall. If I were to just guess, if if it makes them feel better i don't know mm-hmm. but i know for a fact it doesn't make them feel worse so that's a good thing okay definitely definitely um first prince of bel-air uh big month for the first prince of bel-air i seen will it's cool i just seen will smith in uh aladdin too right i don't know have you seen that the the live action aladdin no nah, i ain't see it well uh, it's uh well it's weird right like i'm watching it and i'm trying to figure out if will smith did a good job or not because uh-huh. i'm like all i kind of see is will smith as the genie i'm not like i don't know if i can just believe him as the genie right, right. and he's also following up robin williams role mm-hmm. um which was which was murdered you know what i'm saying by robin williams so it's like it's hard to follow up on that um but my daughter seemed to enjoy it, you know what I mean? There were parts that she she was giggling at it. So I'm assuming he did a good job. Is that that's more so the base they were going for. But big news for Will Smith as a not only is there gonna be a Fresh Prince of Bel Air reunion on HBO Max um coming up this fall, there's also he's just signed a deal with Peacock for two seasons for a reboot of the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, a dramatic version. Are you are you aware of this one, Keith? I've heard of it. I didn't I don't know the details of it, but it, it sounds fascinating. I don't know if I I'm looking forward to it, but I feel I feel as if nowadays people doing reboots, they know that they have humongous shoes to fill, and they've been coming hard. Mm-hmm. They uh, it, it it's a it's a reimagining of it. So obviously, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air was a uh, comedy, a half hour. You know what I mean? You could fit by so much on a network show uh, like that. Where they this is more of a darker reimagining, and um. It was the idea came from a, a YouTube video that was like a, a spec trailer of the reimagining show as a drama. Uh, Will Smith caught wind of the idea um, and contacted Cooper, um, who, who uh, is the person who made up the uh, the video. Uh, and they, they started working on the new idea. It racked up more than six million views, the original video. And uh, it's set in the, the, the show is going to be set in Bel Air, modern day America. 
uh, believe it's, it might be titled Bel Air. Um, it's going to be a one-hour dramatic analog of the 90s sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel Air and leads it to the original premise, um, Will's complicated journey from the streets of West Philadelphia to the gated mansions of Bel Air. Um, it's a reimagined vision. It's going to dive deeper into inherent conflicts, emotions, and biases that were impossible to fully explore in the 30-minute sitcom format while still delivering swagger and nods to the original show. Um... I, I think, like I said, I think that's gonna be awesome. I don't know if you've seen any of the trailer itself, but check it out because it it looks good, it looks good. And I like I like when people take ideas and, and you know kind of spin it a little bit like that. No, nah, definitely. I um, like what John like. Um, I watched the Man- Mandalorian, and not that I'm a Star Wars fan, but okay. it's kind of interesting how they have a lot of the stuff from the Star Wars world, which at this point is what like 40 years old or something like that, or almost 50 years old. So. Mm-hmm. To, to reimagine it in that way and show it from another angle, it, it was very interesting. So I, I'm looking forward to this one just to see what it, you know, if for nothing at all, to see what they did with it to, to put that new angle on it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, another marijuana vote coming up uh, this political season, Keith. Um, the Moore Act, the uh, politicians are going to vote on it, um, I believe this month. And they will remove penalties for marijuana, erase uh, criminal records, and create grant programs for people hit hard uh, by the war on drugs. It also would give individual states the um, ability to decide if they want to legalize marijuana in this in their state or not. Do you think that this uh, this vote is going to pass uh, through the House and become law? Uh, I think it'll pass the House. The question is, will it pass the Senate? The Senate, right? Yeah, because yeah. that's where it gets shut down at, right? Right. I mean, I, <laughs> that I know, I, not that I'm some damn schoolhouse rock and I know exactly how this thing works, but I assume <laughs> that it, it has to pass through the Senate. And if it does, I, I don't think it, it goes very far. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy, like, that marijuana is still something that they uh, they choose to find, like, a, a, a line of division on when we could be facing economic turmoil based uh, from this coronavirus uh, spike that may possibly happen. Like, you'd be, you'd be thinking they're trying to find way, as many ways as possible <laughs> to create income. But, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy that it's still a level of division in this day and age. But we'll see, man. See if the more act passes through. I think something that they might not want to do is um, retroactively lighten up sentences on people and criminal records. <clears throat> like, I feel like they... they uh, cause, but, I, but I do also think it's very ironic that there's people sitting in jail or prisons right now for marijuana in the same states where people are making millions of dollars off of it legally. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, that's the... Uh, that's the I mean, irony of life right there, I mean, man. Part of that's <laughs> cultural. I think, I think um, when you look at what marijuana means to certain people, there's some <laughs> citizens, some voters who feel like marijuana, they, they put it very close to crack cocaine. Like, they put it, the seriousness of it or the danger, the danger of it or just the, the, the thought of it, as far as how bad it is, they put it very close to cocaine. You know what I'm saying? So, if mm-hmm. you, if me, when I want to know how red state people are thinking, I go no further than Flatbush, Brooklyn, because a lot of, a lot of uh, black Caribbean people got a lot of the ideas that, that um, you know, a lot of those conservative people got. They are conservative people. So, for that mm-hmm. reason, I think that people who have those voters... They might say, ah, I don't know how my voters are going to feel about this and not fuck with it. Mm-hmm. Lightening nah, up sentences yeah. on, well, that's, on, yeah, on what, criminals. Oh, I don't know how that's going to play back home. Mm-hmm. 
And they were saying that 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 could be like a hurdle for Democrats because they got the November election coming up. And it's like, do they really want to look like do they really want to lose voters over this? Right. You know what I'm saying? By by what by deciding what they vote. What about that? But we'll see if it passes through the house, man. Um it's another episode, Keith. Another episode in the books, brother. Definitely. Um where can people find you at on social media, man? Instagram, me and my underscore thirty five. Uh you can find your boy DJ Playboy on Instagram at Plickapeasy, P L I C C A P E E Z Y. Um you can also follow Perfect Perfect Talk Podcast on Instagram. Um, at Perfect Talk Radio, go check that out. You know what I mean? It's everything we got going on. Uh, Keith, we got a podcast, we got a podcast. Oh, we have a podcast, <laughs> but we also have a website, and it's called PerfectTalkPodcast.com. Check that out for every episode of the Perfect Talk Podcast, as well as my radio shows, uh, The Night Shift and Money Talks Radio that I do with my brother, DJ Show. Shout out to him. Shout out to uh, his son, uh, about like a month old now, man, growing big and healthy. So proud of y'all over there. Um, also, make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, uh, Podcast. I can't say that word right now. <laughs> Google Podcast, Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, and uh, wherever your local podcasts are sold. I'm just gonna stop saying the word podcast. Keith, <laughs> where can they find you at? On uh, not find you at. What are you watching nowadays, my fault, brother? What are you watching nowadays? Basketball, playoff basketball, and nothing it's been else. Been good. It's been good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then football's <laughs> back too. Yeah, hype for that. I'll say how long that how long that lasts because I, I think basketball has proven the bubble is the way to go. Right. I think hockey might be doing it too, but yeah, I gotta wait and see with football. But um, and also from what I've seen from that first game, not that Thursday night games are particularly dope, but it might be sloppy week one. You know what I'm saying? No preseason, no nothing. Might be a little sloppy, but it's just, we're just glad to have sports back. Something to take our mind off the bullshit. Hell yeah! That that mm-hmm. Chiefs game was and it was crazy because it was like basketball on the U.S. Open was on and yep, uh, yep. um. Mm-hmm. And and football, and if, for me the U.S. Opens is is uh, done because Serena got bumped, but mm-hmm. you know still basketball and football going on. It's dope. Definitely, definitely. Now it's still it's oh, oh, um the uh, the girl that beat her a couple years ago. I think she's Japanese and black. I want to say Osana. Is she still in it? Naomi Osaka. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Okay. I, I don't. I only watch one bracket. Now it's Serena. It's a, it's a Serena bracket. Right? Yeah. <laughs> now I know what you're saying, man. But um. Definitely shout out to everybody out there. And, and even though sports are back, man, stay woke. Stay, keep your mind out there on what's going on. Because if you keep your eyes closed, they will sneak all types of shit through. Like I said, register to vote. Figure out how to do your mail-in voting if you don't feel comfortable getting out there. And just make sure your vote counts this year, y'all. Go out there and do it. And uh, keep you up out of here, man. Everybody keep your mask on. And uh, let's say goodbye to the people, man. Peace. Peace.